The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Music City 911. In this episode, I'm going to highlight some of the dangers of being a police officer. Most officers on a normal day might be able to get through the entire day with little more than writing a couple traffic tickets. They may have to respond on a burglar alarm or two, a traffic collision, maybe even somebody calling in about a constantly barking dog. Other days, they might get calls on more serious events. Shootings, domestics, stabbings, fights, bank robberies, carjackings. All sorts of events that would be very stressful. The stuff I have to go over with you today, pretty routine. Pretty routine stuff. Or is it? Winchester 911, what is the address of your emergency? Uh, 2024-50, apartment B, Mason Hutton Terrace. Okay, tell me exactly what happened, sir. Uh, I was uh, getting ready to come outside, and I heard a big boom, and I walked outside, and my neighbor had took a hammer and hit my window in my truck. Okay, where's he at now? He's in his apartment there, I guess. And did you all have words before? No. The other okay. day he got mad because I was smoking a cigarette outside and he said it was going into his apartment. But I mean, we're allowed to smoke here. Okay. So you just had, you had he's words? Been giving, he's been giving a lot of people trouble around here. You just had words over you smoking outside? I, I didn't even have any words. Okay. I just walked inside. So on the call, pretty routine, like I said. Got some guy who doesn't like one guy smoking cigarettes outside of his apartment. For whatever reason, maybe mental illness or drug use or 
possibly both. We've gone over this before in the episodes. The guy decides that the caller's truck would look a lot better if it had a hammer-smashed window. Likely because of the cigarettes that the caller was smoking. Dispatch gets on the radio and then starts some units. Winchester unit 5823. 50. 23. Problem with a neighbor of vandalism to a vehicle. 2450, Mass and Ontario, as far as and Bravo, Cross Street, Middle Road, Hoffman Avenue. Caller's advised that the neighbor hit his vehicle with a sledgehammer. We're still getting further. Twenty-three Beyonce. Six fifty-six. This is technically a vandalism. If the suspect on this was still outside, I would probably make it a disorderly person at minimum. If he's out there pitching a fit with that hammer still out making threats with it and such. Then for me, that gets bumped up to a person with a weapon. Either way, two officers, they get started to the scene. From here, we're going to switch over to body-worn camera audio. First officers, they get out there and make contact with the caller. And I'm going to try to paint a picture of the apartment complex set up there. It's a multi-unit complex made up of brick buildings there's multiple buildings in almost a hexagon type shape surrounding a centralized parking lot with only one paved entry and exit for vehicles. The caller in this, he's standing next to his truck and walks up to the officers out further in the parking lot to tell them what's going on with his immediate next door neighbor. How you doing, sir? Good, how are you? Understood. I go to work and I heard a big boom and I opened the door. This gentleman here was standing there with a sledgehammer. He knocked my window out, and he went like that to me, so I just went back inside and called y'all. Oh, oh, oh! 33, we check. He's got a rifle. Hey, man, we just want to talk! We won't come near you. Hold on. Probably the man has a rifle. Sir, drop the weapon. Come out and talk to us. Hey man, we're not gonna come near you, just let's just talk. Three guys in the safe location on the round, passing Millwood. Sir, will you talk to us? Yeah, you're Explain to us what's going on. Explain to us what's going on. Yes, sir. We're not going to come near you, man. We just want to talk. Will you talk to us? What's your name? Hey, Eric. Can you hear me? These officers showed up 
and were just talking with a caller. The suspect, in the quote-unquote vandalism, walks out of his apartment with a rifle in his hands. Very quick turn of events. Going from a likely vandalism call to a person with a rifle really quickly. As you could hear, the officers were just wanting to know what was going on with the suspect. It is a way of trying to calm him down and also delaying any action from him, hopefully at least. There at the end, and it was kind of hard to tell even with me trying to clean up the audio some, the suspect says he's going back inside his apartment. At this time, the two officers are behind a single vehicle in the parking lot using it for concealment. As they think the suspect is back inside of his apartment, the officers decide they're going to try and get to a better position, but he's not back inside. Another officer is rolling up during the middle of this. Get back! God damn. 33, not hard to tell what was going on there the suspect decided to start firing at the third officer as she was pulling up it actually disabled her car and she was not able to move her car from there Are you clear? 
Everybody hold your position. He's down on the ground. I lost contact. Hey, move right and get me a visual. He's 12 o'clock. Eric, show me your hands now! Watch that rifle. Watch his hands. Watch his hands. Hands are covered. Hands are covered. The suspect in this, Eric Lynn Clark, as a fourth officer rolled up, kept pointing his gun at the officer when he was trying to communicate with him. The officer at that point had to stop the threat, so he fired multiple shots at him. The suspect went down. The officer inside the patrol car that was stuck inside she managed to get out and move to some cover. After the suspect was hit, officers moved in to attempt to try to render some aid to him, but he was pronounced dead on the scene by medics who arrived after the scene was deemed safe. This all happened in Winchester, Virginia, almost exactly one year ago in November of 2020 at the Hillcrest Apartments on Massa Newton Terrace just after 7 a.m., so pretty early in the morning. The officers involved with this, they were cleared, and this incident was deemed a justified shooting, which was pretty easy to determine if you saw the third officer's car. It was shot seven times by the suspect's modified AK-47-style rifle. The suspect, Eric Clark, he was 52 years old and was said to have had a long battle with mental illness. Before I get on to the next incident, have you ever heard of a suspect that was on the run from a crime for more than 40 years? It's nearly completely unheard of. The amount of deception, amongst other things, is incredible to pull something like that off. I found out about this from a show that I recently started listening to, and that show was called What Was That Like? On this show, Music City 901, I highlight dispatchers and first responders and what they do day to day. We are constantly presented with emergency situations. The host of What Was That Like, Scott Johnson, he interviews people who are not in my line of work, who were at some point in their lives faced with a situation that was very much not the norm. The story I was talking about with a suspect that was on the run for more than four decades, it's in there, along with dozens of other episodes. Actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. 
Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. Another I listened to was about a guy who went to prison for the first time and had zero knowledge of what to expect from the prison system or the people inside of it and wished that he had someone who would have told him how to deal with everything correctly. Seriously, the entire show was fascinating, and I'm working my way back through listening to more episodes whenever I can. The host is very knowledgeable, and from what I've heard so far, he has to be an expert at interviewing people. Check out that show, which like mine is available on all podcast apps, and again, it's called What Was That Like? Give it a try. I bet you'll like it. Houston police officers are on the scene of a residence attempting to serve a warrant on someone inside the residence. This is also something that happens quite often. Sometimes detectives will be out there, sometimes warrant officers, and sometimes just regular police officers, patrolmen. They go out and knock on someone's door and just wait for them to come out and they'll take them to jail. Very simple type stuff. Most of the time, the suspect's not even there at home when this is going on. We'll continue listening on to this, though. Houston police, come to the door. Something just hit the door? Yep. Good morning. Hey, we have a warrant for... Ma'am, where's Dion? Is he awake? Dion, step out here. Is he awake? Ma'am. Ma'am. Yeah, step out here. Okay. Dion, step on out here. You got to take care of some warrants. No. Where is he? Where is he? No, I do not see him. Dion, you need to step out. It's Houston police. A woman has answered the door and then walked away from the door. Dion, the person we're hearing on this, they believe that he's inside. One of the officers kind of thinks he sees him a little bit, but they weren't sure if he was awake or even really in there or not. And keep in mind, most of the time, we don't have any type of 911 calls associated with something like this. No one calling the non-emergency number about it either. It's just that we show up at a house, and I say we as the police department, we show up at a house, knock on the door, person inside, they've got some warrants on them. At most, dispatch will have some officers that just check out on the scene of something like this. So with this, there is no 911 call. The body-worn camera audio, it continues. 
Is he behind the door? Dion. She looked back there towards the back. So Dion, use some police. You need to step out here. Dion, it's Houston Police. Let's do this thing. Get some cover. Get some cover. He's down, but I can't see him. Yeah, all that was real. It sounded like a scene out of some sort of a movie. This was no movie at all. This is audio from one of the officers. It was very hard to hear the other officers because once the shooting started, they all spread out. All except for one, unfortunately. I'm going to play a little bit of audio from another officer's body-worn camera. This officer's pulling up just as the shooting starts. He positions himself and his vehicle close to another officer, which is the second one that's on the ground. You good? You good? No, I'm here. I'm here. Let's go get Bill. Somebody get Bill. Where you at, Sarge? No. Where you at, right? Where, where Sarge? I don't know. Oh, shit. God damn. Hey, we need to get Bill out. We need to get Bill out of there. 
Kunike pela! There were a lot of body-worn cameras there. I want to play one more, just a little piece of it, to hear from one of the officers who was actually hit, the sergeant that you heard the officer talking about that was hit. This is from him. The suspect in this call, Dion Ledet, age 30, had a warrant for possession with intent to deliver and manufacture, which is a drug charge. In this case, it was involving cocaine. He had a very lengthy criminal history that included aggravated assault of a family member, ag assault with a deadly weapon. That one likely was from when he pistol whipped a woman, then fired five shots at a man that was there close by, evading arrest, vehicle burglary, and a host of other drug charges, spanning all the way back to when he was 17 years old. Because of all these and the addition of his new warrant, he was likely to be labeled as a habitual offender and could have been looking at 25 to life in prison. He knew that. And that's likely the reason he began the shootout with police in the first place, in which one sergeant, Michael Vance, was shot and able to be transported to a hospital where he was in stable but serious condition for days. And senior officer William bill jeffrey was killed this entire incident is enough to make most officers and higher-ups take notice that tactics may need to be changed on these attempt to serve warrants the suspect was armed and used both a semi-auto rifle and a modified fully auto pistol which essentially made it a machine gun for those of you who don't know the difference a semi-auto gun you pull the trigger once and it fires one round. If you hold the trigger back after that round is fired, nothing else happens. One trigger pull, one bullet fired. A fully automatic weapon, if you pull the trigger back and hold it, the gun will continue to fire until the trigger is let go or the gun runs out of ammo. Here is the Houston Police Chief with a statement regarding this. So as I said, it's difficult to watch. But let me cut through it. Let me cut through my frustration. It's time for a national call, a call of unity. A lot of times everybody want to point the fingers. Not about that, and we shouldn't be about it in criminal justice. It's time for police, prosecutors, district attorneys, judges, and lawmakers, both state and federal to stand up and making sure 
that we're doing whatever we can do to make our streets in this city, in this county, in this region, in our nation, as safe as possible. There is absolutely no reason or no room for our suspects to be armed like this. And we need to do everything that we can do. And this is why I have a strong team standing with me today. But it's going to take everybody. This is a threat that is here. And it's a threat to everybody. Next on this, we have a special agent talking about the same thing with a little bit more detail. Obviously, no switch. I want to be clear, these are not an accessory. This is not something that Glock makes for this gun. These are illegal. They're illegal to possess. They're illegal to put on the gun. They're illegal to transfer. And the U.S. Attorney will talk a little bit more about that. The suspect in this, he was a convicted felon. He had guns that he wasn't legally allowed to own. He took one of those guns and added a switch to it that makes the gun fully automatic, which, as you heard from the ATF agent, in every way is illegal. A convicted felon who was in possession of a firearm, one of which was made into a machine gun, all illegal. I'm pretty sure that no further laws would have prevented this from happening. All it does show is that a criminal especially a lifelong criminal like this one, doesn't care about the laws. He's going to continue to be a criminal. Illegal to possess a gun. He didn't care. Got at least two guns. Illegal to have a toggle switch for the one of those to make it a fully automatic weapon. He didn't care. Illegal to install that toggle switch on the gun. Didn't care. Illegal to shoot the gun at officers. Didn't care. Illegal to murder someone, which he did here, and he didn't care. A criminal like this is going to keep on being a criminal until someone stops him. I'm glad that someone finally did stop him, but I truly, truly hate that it came at the cost that it did. I hate to end on a sad note like that, but sometimes with dispatch, being a police officer, firefighter, almost any first responder. Sometimes you go home with the knowledge that not everyone else did that day. For Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all try to have a good one.